Welcome to Drawing and Magic. My name is Angie, and you want to know what is truly magical? Reconnecting with one of your favorite teachers after 30 years have passed. I got to go to Mr. Carlson's house. His name is Gary, but he's forever Mr. Carlson, along with one of my dear old friends, Amy Ogren, who's also one of his students, we drove to Rush City and we entered the most crazy, beautiful, magical art compound that Gary and his wife, Marianne, have created over the last 30 years. It's so amazing. I mean, every nook and cranny in their world has been thoughtfully and artfully touched upon. It's extraordinary. But the coolest thing of all is that Mr. Carlson is exactly the same. He has the exact same spark, the exact same sense of humor. I think making art every day has something to do with his youthful exuberance. He's an extraordinary person, and it was such a gift to be in their world for an afternoon. So with no further ado, here is Gary and Marianne. So we are in Rush City with a very dear old teacher of ours from 30 years ago, Mr. Carlson, and I'm here with Amy Ogren, who is also a student of his, and um, Gary's wife, Marianne. Thank you for having us here today. Oh, thank you for coming out. It's just a joy to see former students that are like real people now. <laughs> <laughs> On our way, at yeah. least to becoming. So you said you, this is all about me singing a medley of show tunes, right? Yes. What do you got? What do you got up your sleeve? I didn't know you were a singer, too. I'm very versatile. I can have uh, yeah, a wide range of songs we can do. <laughs> do you guys have some numbers that you work on together? No. <laughs> But he can do anything from Fiddler, since he was in two productions of Fiddler on the Rough. Really? I didn't know you had like an acting musical side to you. Well, you have to be an actor to be a, a teacher, and uh, I, I employed a lot of acting when I was a... <laughs> yeah. Act like you like the kids? Yeah. Like act like you like the kids, and act like you like the subject area. I mean, there's a lot of... There's a lot of... Um, it's a challenge. <laughs> This is such a treat because I was interviewing one of Mike Villar, one of your former I students, and Mike very well. he's an actor in Los Angeles, and he's just doing his yep. thing. And um, we were talking about Mrs. Rolls. He had said when we were at this little production he was doing over the holidays, he said, oh, "I wish Mrs. Rolls was here because I kind of gave her a hard time, or I kind of had a falling out." And he's like, "I wish she could see me now." And so that led me to start looking her up, which I couldn't find very much, but I stumbled across you, and I was like, oh my gosh. I think I called Amy and was just like, mm -hmm. oh, Mr. Carlson, what do you remember from that? And wouldn't mm -hmm. it be so much fun if we could talk to Mr. Carlson? So I can't believe we're here. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, it's, it's wonderful. It really is. <sighs> yeah, it is. He has lots and lots of former students who are professional artists now. Me? Really? I mean, wow. a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, Michael, a professional actor, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. he's got a former student that um, has worked for Sports Illustrated magazine photography. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of. Yeah, I recently had a uh, uh, Kurt Gerhag, one of my oh, yeah. uh, students from uh, from the middle school. Uh, he's a professor in Texas, a professor of sculpture, and he came out to our place. Travels to. Was it last year for Christmas? Two uh, years. Ago. Yeah. I mean, it's so fun to. He's, have. In, he's in South America right now. No, he's in Lima, Peru. Right That's now. Right. But uh, doing a, an exhibit with with artists down there. But yeah, yeah it's 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 very uh, it's very fun and, and kind of mind blowing that uh, all these people are doing these, you know, in, in visual arts and uh, that 
they sometimes want to contact me and tell me a little bit about what they're doing. So mm. very that, fun. That is really cool. I don't know. Okay, so Amy and I were talking on the way up here about what it felt like to be in your class or experiencing. Mm-hmm. Amy, maybe you would want to tell what you were telling me about mm-hmm. your first experiences learning how to draw and stuff in his middle school class. Well, I remember that Mr. Carlson was my seventh grade art teacher at Chippewa Junior High, and um, and I have a couple of memories from that class. And one memory is that you were you had us all kind of sitting up close to the front of the room, like away from the tables, and you were up front teaching, and and the phone rang, and you let me go answer your phone in your office, and I just thought that was. I just thought that was so cool. I thought it was so special that I got to go answer his phone. <laughs> but, but the other, the lesson that I remember, the assignment that I remember was this assignment where we took a page out of a magazine and we replicated it on a big piece of paper. I don't know what the measurements were, but but we broke that piece of paper up into little squares mm-hmm. and then we just shaded just square by square. And... I remember feeling so accomplished when I was done with my black and white, like I put, took a dog out of a magazine. And, um, and so I was, I was thinking about my impressions of you as a teacher, Mr. Carlson, because I'm a teacher too. And what I remember about you is that you, um, you made us feel um, like, we could, like we could do these things you made us feel accomplished and you made us feel liked I think maybe that's what that phone answering the phone experience was like you trusted me enough to go answer your phone Mm -hmm. for you and you thought I was competent and we felt like you liked us and you um and, and and I remember your sense of humor and the phone thing could have been uh, maybe I was too lazy to get up. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. And that was probably closest to the office, and you know, you were there were other people between you and the phone, but that was sort of like the effect it had on me. Like, that's one of the memories I have of that class. I got to answer your phone for you. Well, that, it's interesting that you brought up that uh, I, I used to call that the masterpiece drawing that I, I okay. had you guys do. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I had you divided up a face or something out of mm-hmm. a, something recognizable from a magazine mm-hmm. up in the little squares so that you wouldn't you'd be less likely to identify an eye, but you'd be drawing a little section of that eye that were that just had lines and shapes and and uh, mm-hmm. different gradations of value to it so that mm-hmm. you'd be less likely to apply a label to it and thus mm-hmm. apply a symbol into mm-hmm. your drawing. You'd be mm-hmm. drawing as you really saw things, mm-hmm. not ha- drawing something the way you think it should look, mm-hmm. like in, as in a symbol. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting you brought that assignment up because mm-hmm. that was a favorite thing that I did. One of the favorite things I did back in those days with the with you guys. Mm-hmm. I remember something else you did with us, I think. You ha- you talked about right brain and left brain with yeah. us. Yeah. But you had us do 
Did you have us do something where we had to draw with our like our non-dominant hand or something? What did you have? Do you remember that? What did you have I, us do? Well, there, I tried different things at different times with different classes, and it sounds yeah. like one of the things I drawing. I had to draw. Looking up. at your paper, mm-hmm. that's one of those mm-hmm. uh, blind line mm-hmm. contour drawings. I had so the you students look at something and then draw yeah. it without looking. Well, you did some of that stuff with your students as well. Mm-hmm. well yeah, I want to stop for a second and say, Mary, so. Gary married Marianne, who's also been a lifelong art teacher. So, Marianne, so you taught for how many years? Uh, 17. Wow. Yeah, and middle school, high school. Before that, I did 17 years in the gallery business, downtown St. Paul. So. Yeah, well, you were art uh, buyer as well for, like, what, 15 different? Everything. Yeah, from... When you work for a gallery, you do plumbing... Schlep <laughs> art. Hey, that's kind of what I've got you doing around here too. Yeah. At the Carlson residence. Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember having you guys draw upside down too. So mm-hmm. again, you'd be less likely to identify mm-hmm. things and just follow the contours of where the lines were going. So you look at it upside down, you draw it <clears throat> upside down. That helps you with the proportion mm-hmm. and seeing the shapes so that you actually get what you're seeing and not what you think it should look like because mm-hmm. what happens is you're concentrating on one part so much that then it gets out of proportion to the rest of it it's, it really is drawing especially as a magical process where it just time ceases to exist and you go into a whole another level of, a, of it's a different kind of awareness um, but it is uh, mm-hmm. I, it defies words in terms of description, but it's such a pleasurable experience. I, I think uh, any time that you can find yourself in, in an activity that challenges you uh, to the point where you can still do something, but it, it provides a challenge, it, it, it becomes a very satisfying experience when you, uh, the process of doing it and then finishing what you're doing. So. So many people don't think they have access to it. Like, I can't draw, or I'm not good at this. And so mm-hmm. the gift of a teacher showing you that you can, that you do have access into that world, is such a gift. I can't, I mean, I never thought. I was always a good doodler. I've always been a good doodler. But being able to draw a realistic face, I was no way could I draw like that. But what a, what a wonderful thing. It shows that we yeah. do have access to yeah. that. Yeah, and you have access to that. And uh, if you put the time into it, um, I think, uh, you know, if you put the umpteen hours into it, it becomes uh, an instinct. It becomes something that you, you'll you just be able to do. And uh, it adds so much in terms of living your life and enjoying the present moments because you're seeing the, the lines and the shapes and the colors and the textures and the, and the things that are out there in this unavoidable visual world that if you're actually paying attention those ordinary things become quite extraordinary and that was that was my main goal my underlying goal you might have been thinking that you guys were learning how to draw but it was also about adding a quality to your life Mm -hmm. about paying attention to this this Mm -hmm. visual world we have around around Mm -hmm. us and then to take those visual elements later on and if you if you find it interesting enough to, to do some things on your own, where you, I, I also tried to teach you some ways that we can organize things and take the chaos and make it look pleasant to, mm-hmm. to view something where you can create rhythms 
and you can create a feeling of uh, movement in your pictures that, that, yeah, it was all, I had all kinds of underlying uh, uh, goals. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> how, did, how did you keep that, that goal, capital G goal, you know, of, of having us pay attention and notice? How did you keep that alive in the middle of a teaching career where, um, I mean, I just think of, you know, teaching some days you're, like you said, you're getting up early, you know, you're tired, you're, you're managing, you're spinning lots of plates, you're, yeah. you're managing yeah. behaviors and the hormones and... And so, how did how well, did no, you the kids' hormones are mine? Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but how did you sort of nurture that and keep that that spark for your to to pass it on to your students day after day after day after day? I think that when you have that spark within you as an artist, me as an artist, I mean, mm-hmm. I was completely mm-hmm. dedicated. To that and making my own work and uh, mm-hmm. I just found it so fascinating that I couldn't not try to pass that along to mm-hmm. students because I knew how much it added to my mm-hmm. my life and uh, and I thought if I could just give if I could just give you guys you know a percentage of that um, you know mm-hmm. I could pat myself on the back and feel mm-hmm. good about what I'm contributing and what I'm giving back mm-hmm. um, does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah yes yeah. I remember at Mounds View that I was telling Amy because she she was looking at it through the teacher lens, but I was like, it felt like Mr. Carlson was a real artist, and I, that being in that room and in the dark, you were always sitting on a desk with a cup of coffee, <laughs> like you did. Did you I always, my eyes open? <laughs> <laughs> it did. All the time, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you did. That like she said that you would pull us out of our normal seating and stuff. Like you had this way of like making everything we did kind of feel. Like a, like like you were in a coffee shop having a conversation instead of like this is how I don't know it felt I felt really free in there and actually hmm. it really made me as an early impressionable young woman like go oh this is and then being in the dark room too with all the uh, yeah. chemicals and the, it's just such a the magic to be there. it's magic appearing in the tree <laughs> yes but I somehow like even though I wasn't very great at photography back then I just was like. I loved the whole thing, and I, I had a sense of like what it would be like to be an artist. I don't know. It really yeah, it was a very impressionable time. Well, <laughs> I that's loved a, it. It's really fun for me to hear, to get this kind of feedback, you know, especially after so many years, and you guys are are as old as I was when I was teaching you at that, <laughs> that point. It's just, it's kind of, uh, it's very satisfying. It makes me feel good to, to get this kind of feedback. I know, I remember when I, taught you guys and throughout my teaching career I tried to bring people together in small groups or get them around a table mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and take a photograph either of one of your photographs or mine or maybe a professional piece and critique it and talk about how the how how why the photographer in, in that case at knows you why the photographer stood over at this place here and chose the particular angle that he did, and and go through the you know what they were looking at in terms of light attaching to a surface, mm-hmm. and inter mm-hmm. interacting with a with a surface plane. It's just I I wanted to give you some skills in which you could you could actually talk about these things yourself, 
And if I, I always thought that if I could get you, if I could give you that vocabulary and, and get you to a point where you could, you could use your observation combined with that vocabulary that you could, uh, you could, you could use that in just about any situation you wanted to in your lives after that, whether you're talking about how you want to arrange what the interior of one of your rooms look like and how you could describe that to, if you were using a designer, for instance. Uh, there's a myriad of applications to that kind of vocabulary and that kind of observation. I think it also brings up one of the things I was really conscious of when I was teaching is that you want to help people to appreciate your world and what's around you. Mm -hmm. It makes for a better day, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, I often think, you know, when I'm driving and all of a sudden I see a young cub running through the uh, soybeans, you know, I was paying attention and I noticed that I was the only one today. They got to see that. Sometimes I have to grab the yeah. steering wheel when she's <laughs> <laughs> But But you know, yeah. it does. Yeah. It helps you to appreciate your day and well, it sometimes just makes, it can be uh, very therapeutic. To, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. appreciate those little moments. But don't you think it could be very therapeutic? A lot of yes, people that's exactly what I'm saying. Caught up with things that they can't worry about. Can, take your mind off of maybe some other things that are mm -hmm. yeah. stressing mm -hmm. you out or whatnot and enjoy your present moments. Mm -hmm. Well, and tuning into the beauty of it, like what's around you. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. right. And do you remember that we were talking about another assignment that you had us do? And this is an interesting one because I am, what I'm known for among a lot of my friends is letters. Like I send letters and I create crazy things all the time. It's mm -hmm. one of my calling cards. And we had an assignment from you that was to, do you want to talk about it? Sure. So the assignment was to create something unusual to mail, to send someone in the mail. Mm -hmm. So Angie and I were partners, so mm -hmm. you mailed me something and I mailed you something. And you encouraged us to be like as weird as possible. I think Anne sent a shoe through the mail. She got them to send a shoe. Mm -hmm. like, I don't know how she did, but I remember her doing something that was like out there because she's brave like that. But yeah. what did we send? We don't know. Well, I think I sent just like, a, I made like a postcard, but then I put like sand and shells on it or something because we had just been on a trip to Mexico. <laughs> so I brought some sand back with me. Mm -hmm. But I think what you did was, I, I feel like you did something more three-dimensional. Mm -hmm. But but say what... Why why was that assignment so meaningful to you, Andrew? What like what what did that do for you? Well, I was just thinking outside of the box. Like, here's an envelope. This is what it should look like. Here's how you send things, yeah, yeah. and it just got me. Mm -hmm. Well, it's playful and creating things, and then also having. I still every time I go to the post office, someone will say, "I can't send that." I'm like, "Oh yes, you can. Yes, you can." Because and it was our cousin told me we can't guarantee <laughs> we can't guarantee it will get there. I'm like. But, we, but in the explaining the assignment, he told us, he warned us that yeah. the post office would probably tell us, yeah. no, we can't yeah. send this, mm -hmm. and that you said to right. push back. Uh -huh. We have to be, we have to incorporate the element of playfulness in our lives, <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise there's a lot of things that can get us. Uh, yes. We have to use whatever we can to get through this life. I remember one time in one of my classes that. Uh, 
at the uh, junior high, mm-hmm. I uh, told the students, uh, we were in the middle of, of a unit on composition, and I challenged them to take what was in our garbage cans in the in the waste paper baskets in the class and arrange it on, we'll move the desks back and we'll arrange it on the floor in such a manner so that we'll see if the custodians think that it's an art project and, uh, yes. and if it has, or if they'll just clean it up. And I think they did leave it. <laughs> they did. Because they weren't sure. No. They probably weren't sure, but yeah. But I think if we can art all kinds of art, but for me, I can speak to visual art. It adds an element of playfulness to my day. And I, now that I'm retired, um, I get to play all day, and there's never a dull day. Mm-hmm. Every day I look forward, every time I get up in the morning, I look forward, first of all, to having my coffee, mm-hmm. and, then, uh, and then making mm-hmm. sculpture, and, and making making things mm-hmm. and it's just um, I can't imagine people that don't have some kind of a, a, a love a passion for something mm-hmm. if they don't have that then they're they're kind of at a disadvantage in terms of how they they can appreciate their lives how they can mm-hmm. uh, enjoy their lives so. it's nice to when you make something you usually have an object or a finished product and there's some end to that project. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, it's like a reward. You know, look what I've done. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I know when you're teaching, and especially if you're, if you don't have that end product, it feels like you're just pushing paper around. And, mm-hmm. you know, what is your accomplishment for the day or whatever because there's always more stuff sitting at your desk and it's hard sometimes it's hard to look for that finished accomplished Mm -hmm. whatever but when you make stuff you can stand back and say all that time that turned out pretty good (laughs) it's interesting I'll apply that in another turning back to um, education as a teacher, the students will get to a certain point where they, they say goodbye to you for the summer, and they walk away, and, and you may never see them again. I haven't seen you guys for 30 years. Mm-hmm. But you never really know, unlike that product that you're talking about, right. where you can look back and see that this is, piece is beautifully sanded and, and you know, mm-hmm. the craftsmanship. You never really know how you've affected the mm-hmm. students or if you were successful in terms of what you were trying to do with the students because you'll never see them, uh, most mm-hmm. of them, ever again. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's always, uh, you, you hope that you made mm-hmm. an impact. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, and I'm so, that's what makes me feel so good inside that you guys are showing me that maybe at some point I made a small impact with, uh, with you guys. That's a pretty huge impact. It's a big impact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, no. thank you. Yeah. It is, and you said you've had both of you have had students come out and visit you here. They want to come because of the kind of teachers you guys were, for sure. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it feels good. But mm-hmm. yeah, well, and in teaching art, you know, you get to see the kids make those same successes. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really rewarding. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, the uh, Kurt Gerhag, the uh, sculptor professor, mm -hmm. Kurt told me recently that when he had my class, it was the first time he realized that that he that people make a living make livings in in visual art, and it, uh, I think it inspired him to to kind of pursue that. You know, that uh, it's kind of magical that the mm -hmm. teachers have that have that power, that mm -hmm. potential to be able to, to do that for mm -hmm. for students. Yeah, well, you showed us. I mean, we looked at so many different photographers and artists, mm -hmm. and you showed you showed us so many people out in the world making stuff. And like you said, you'd you'd always have projects going on your desk, and we could see you working on stuff all the time, and that you'd use your prep hour to. Continue. I mean, that's super cool. Not like some of my professor friends who teach the. A lot of them can lose their momentum of like even creating their own stuff. So that's. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. seem like you've missed a beat or yeah. missed a day of making yeah. stuff in your life. Well, we, we, turned, we both turned a page, and it's a page that we enjoyed the book that we were on. We both enjoyed teaching. Mm -hmm. um, but I was looking forward to nurturing my own skills and what I could do with my creative book, exploring potential. And uh, it's uh, it's at a I'm at a point in my life where I'm really really enjoying this part of my life as well, and uh, and I'm hopefully I'm making an impact on on people that view my what I do, and uh, I know some of them like it well enough, so they're buying things, you know, mm -hmm. and which isn't really my I mean it's nice to have some money to 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 shower my wife with gifts and things like that, so <laughs> oh, yeah. trips and whatnot, but. Huge trips. Do you have any planned? Mm. Well, our biggest trip will be out to uh, Gig Harbor, which is oh, yes Tacoma area, and for that uh, sculpture workshop. I don't know if I told you. I'm, no. I'm doing a, a sculpture workshop. I was contacted by uh, uh, Belissima. Yeah, uh, Belissima. There's a woman there, Belissima Artscapes. And so she organizes these workshops and she caters them. And so when you take the workshop, you get really good food and, and you get this exposure to this artist that's going to teach you the skill, you know, so it's this whole environment. And but this one this happens to be, be at, at her, her place, place in Gig Harbor. So I, um, she asked me if I would be interested in that, and I, I said, well, I don't know, how much do you pay? <laughs> <laughs> and it was, let me, it was a lot more than I was making as a teacher. But uh, she has people from all over the, the country and all over really the world uh, traveling to these experiences where they're exposed to... Mm -hmm. um, all these different artists and... But I'm looking forward to teaching adults and, and yeah. teaching them the vocabulary that I taught mm -hmm. you guys and uh, and teaching them methods of critiquing, positive critiquing their, their work. And uh, I think it's going to be really kind of interesting to kind of get back into that groove a little bit yeah. and just see what happens. And uh, mm -hmm. Oh, how fun. What a cool experience for the people yeah. coming to it to be able to, to be around a a real working artist and learn. That's maybe Marianne. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you she's know, she's the one that's out in the shop every day. She's she graciously uh, 
uh, said that she would help me with this, which means, to, in my thinking, she's going to do most of the work. I'll be over on the table with a cup of coffee in my hand with my eyes half closed. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so exciting. When is that coming it's up? July 11th through the 14th. Oh. Yeah, I mean, but after the... So the, four days with Gary Carroll's. After the workshop, oh. after the workshop, um, Marianne and I and a friend of hers, ours from Georgia, gonna, she's going to travel out there, and we're going to check out the Seattle era, area and go through the uh, museums and different mm -hmm. galleries and just have a grand old time. You know? um, Amy, you know that area really well. My first teaching job was in Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> oh, nice. So I lived out there for four years. We're going to have a little I'll give you some recommendations. Yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy working out there? I did. Yeah, I love the place. I love it. I feel like it's still kind of home in a way, even though I wasn't there very long. But, yeah. but I love The landscape it. kind of yeah. tugged at your heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. did, I can see how. Mm -hmm. Angie, did you visit her when she was I there? didn't visit her. I think I was in Philadelphia at that time. Yeah. Right. We were writing letters to you each other. letters. Yes. I right. and forth. That's right. I studied under an artist in Philadelphia for a couple of years after college and I was out there, but we did talk a lot about all the experiences we were having as young women out in the world in a different way. Really that's amazing. Very cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, that sounds like a fun workshop. I always tried to, to incorporate um, ideas for how they could they could say something about how they feel about their world and uh, whether it be like on my work that I'm doing right now some of it has to do with uh, social statements about what I feel is happening in our world and and things that we should really be looking at carefully and and uh, maybe adjusting and, and figuring out a better avenue a better course to, to take but I think teachers need to uh, they need to make it relevant, and I think most of all, they have to hook the kids by showing that they're missing a whole exciting visual world uh, that's just passing them by moment by moment. That if they can tap into that kind of uh, awareness, it it brings excitement and it brings uh, an intellectual. It's an intellectual invitation to do so much more and to say things that they want to say that come from inside them. Mm -hmm. uh, um, what we just found out upstairs is you also had Mr. Carlson as a, as a teacher for a bit, right? Long time ago. As, yes. As a seventh grader. Yeah. yeah we, uh, and then lost track of her. And, you know, I think uh, when I walked into a, a gallery that I had work in, um, I heard this voice from across the way from some mid-twenties looking woman, Mr. C. <laughs> and I didn't have a clue as to who she was. But uh, yeah, uh, one thing led to another at that point in my life. And uh, now I, get, I have someone that gives me helpful, unlacquered advice. <laughs> but you've made quite a go of it. You guys, your whole world is filled with art. And to get you finished, you know, some of you start a piece and the other one finishes it. And you... In brought him into the sculpture world. I mean, it's quite a 
duo that you guys make. Yeah, we really do have a good, uh, we have an advantage over a lot of other artists who work alone, you know, mm -hmm. because we actually can bounce ideas off of each other, and, yeah. and it really helps a lot, and and I, I hope I help you as much as you help me. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know um, one time we were doing a workshop up in Wadena. It was a welding workshop where we didn't actually get to weld. We were taking it. But anyway, <laughs> um, that's another story. But while we were working on our sculpture, um, you know, I was helping him and he was helping me, and we could see that... Um, it wasn't planned out real well by the people who were doing the whole sculpture and that we weren't going to be able to finish both of us because they weren't so much as teaching you to weld as welding for you. Interesting. So anyway, we decided let's just work on one piece together. Mm -hmm. And that made such a big impression on the other adults in the class they're like I could never do that with my husband <laughs> you know yeah I mean, it was you know it was interesting for those people to watch the two of us work together yeah. and we've done some collaboration work since then which is kind of fun mm -hmm. uh, her work has a, a different look than my we both define object assemblage uh, I don't I'm not uh, not sure what to call it anymore. Uh, maybe mixed media. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, some of the works are strictly found object assemblage to make the sculpture. But then, you know, sometimes you create an entire piece. You know, it's carved out of wood, or I do a piece that's out of paper mache or something. Well, you guys saw that that ship that that I built mm -hmm. out there. Um, you heard. Uh, Somebody remarked when they were observing it at, at an art exhibit, uh, I wonder where he got the ship. Hmm. And not knowing that I built it from scratch, you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't, so I'm, sometimes I'm a little hesitant to just say we do found object assemblages. I think mixed media might be more appropriate mm -hmm. in terms of what we. Hmm. Yeah, because sometimes you just don't know what's found in what you've made. Or like the raven upstairs, like curve, you know, that, raven, yeah. that whole realistic looking bird, he didn't just buy that off the internet, he he spent uh, five months making it, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so. We have fun collaborating and we don't do that a lot, maybe 2% of our work is a collaboration. Our house has been a collaboration, but... Um, and, and the process, I think it's interesting, a lot of people look at fine object sculpture and they think that probably it all looks very similar. But what I do is, people that see my work on a regular basis can recognize my style, what I do, and people that see her work recognize, and it's completely different. Uh, she starts with a narrative in a lot of her in a lot of cases, and she so she and sketches sometimes she'll sketch things out in her process, and um, so her her work uh, builds up in a different kind of a manner than mine. Mine is very it's a very reactive way. Uh, I'll start with an object that I think looks really cool, like that recorder right there, mm -hmm. and I'll I'll say well. That's kind of neat. I'm going to start with that, and then I'll react to what kinds of things can I find 
that look like they relate to that in some way. You know, just something that has a similar color or texture or lines or shape. And then how can I work that into into uh, interacting with that first piece? And then I'll, it's a very intuitive reactionary way, and then I'll go dig through my pile of stuff. Yeah, but yours is usually based more on um, design and composition, your yes, yeah. um, choices, your elements of composition. You know, and how you're putting stuff together. And mine sometimes is more... More, f I do the same thing about composition, but sometimes I'm more concerned about the story and the right. items that I'm putting in the story. Right. You know, the backgrounds and the photographs and whatnot that I'm using to, yeah. to tell the story. And I want to say, say something visually as poetic as I can. As a, as a, I want I'm to, not as abstract. Like a, like a poet would use the word search for just the right word to follow this and mm -hmm. that word. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for just the right element uh, that will follow the piece that I put. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then it just kind of grows as an intuitive thing. And then my intuition after 10,000 or 20,000 hours, I have no idea. I've been working at visual making things since I was six years old. My mom mm -hmm. taught me how to carve an ivory bar of soap when I was a little <laughs> kid. I used to bring all, the, all my, uh, my little five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old play friends over to our kitchen and, and close the kitchen door to reveal a mural painting that my mother had made of a Dutch scene and windmills and tulips and things, and I was so proud of that. And she taught me how to draw uh, from using uh, salt and pepper shakers that were uh, turkeys, you know, and she would teach me how to follow the lines and everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> wow. What a good time to learn a while. I would say so. so. So that is, is so um, imbued in me. It's so so much of a, uh, interwoven in the particles of my brain that that I, uh, I can't not make things and I mm -hmm. I can't not make things that have some kind of a visual order to them to make them hopefully uh, pleasant to the eyes that that, uh, mm -hmm. that fall upon them you know if that makes sense mm -hmm. I met well Marianne had mentioned that you're from you have a lot of other photographers in your family too are you come your third generation photographer well actually in, in terms of hobby my my dad was a structural iron worker, mm. and his dad was a structural iron worker, and I was bound and determined not to be the third generation of that. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I used, I did that kind of thing when I went. I, I used it to get enough money to go through college, and uh, it was very easy because Grandpa was the. Uh, he, besides knowing all the iron workers, he was always the, the ran all kinds of jobs that put up the skyscrapers and bridges around Minneapolis and he was the business agent for the iron workers local of the Twin Cities. So I could walk into the iron workers mm -hmm. hall and say my name is, is Gary Carlson and they'd all go, oh okay. So I'd be standing out in the hall with a bunch of other young guys and they'd say Carlson <laughs> and I would I would get these jobs that would enable me to, to go to college uh, later and uh, yeah. Not, 
they had a, a photographic eye okay. when I look at the family photos, mm -hmm. but they weren't photographers right. per se. Mm -hmm. But they, but I think they. Yeah, but they were. They were paying attention to composition. Hmm. Like there are pictures of um, Gary's dad and his mother on the edge of a pond, and Gary's dad's like four. And he's pushing a sailboat off into the pond. And the lighting is kind of cool. And so no, they were, Grandpa. They were untrained, right? But they had an intuitive sense. There. I guess I had to develop my in intuition the hard way. I would study art and I would make art. And, and now it, it, it's just kind of... Somebody asked me, how, well, how do you know when to stop? A sculpture. Mm -hmm. Well, it's intuition. It's just something tells you. And sometimes I, mm -hmm. sometimes that fails me. And, and my wife comes along and says, "No, you're done." She'll stop me mid, <laughs> mid hand. And, no, you're done. <laughs> or take three pieces out of we, the sculpture and say, "That's all you need." We don't want it to be busy, you know. I just we want it to be clear and concise, and people can know exactly what you're, what you want to say in that piece. Well. Sometimes when you're just really involved in, you know, something and, and you're focused on it, your view of it is small, right? Mm -hmm. And then somebody else can come in and look at it from a distance and say, oh, there you go. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. This doesn't mm -hmm. work. That doesn't work. This isn't needed. This is extra. You know, I want to touch upon another element that I think is fascinating about people that make things, artists, whether they be um, musicians or dancers or well, maybe less so dancing, but visual art, mm -hmm. I feel like there's an immortality formula that somehow uh, enters into it. Uh, you're making things that are going to, that hopefully are going to exist beyond your expiration date on the planet. Mm -hmm. that, that, uh, Things will be maybe will be passed down from generation to generation. I think there's more chance of that when we make things as gifts for for uh, family members. But but and, I, and I'm aware of the fact that only a, a small percentage of art lasts over the years. You know, maybe I don't know what it is two, three, four, five percent. Most things just disappear with time. But even after we disappear with time, we have something that people can look at and they can understand maybe some of the thinking process or what we felt in our hearts mm -hmm. about certain things. And it becomes, a, it becomes something that we can, a legacy, if you will, something that we can pass down. And uh, that fascinates me. And it also gives you some input into what that person was like. You know, like the photograph I described uh, that Gary's grandfather took. Mm -hmm. It gives you some insight into the personality. And so the things that I know about him, you know, he was an iron worker, he was a boxer, and then he took these super sweet posed photos of his family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was a, he was a tender person. Mm -hmm. He said uh, there was a story you know, where he stuff, you wouldn't really know about him. Yeah, mm -hmm. generations tough. later, mm -hmm. if that photo didn't exist, mm -hmm. this tough iron worker that was a Golden Glove uh, uh, boxer and a, and a prize fighter when he was young. One of, somebody in our family told us 
that uh, at, at the end of a prize fight, people would throw money up into the ring, and uh, Grandpa Ed got really good at picking up uh, uh, money. paper money with his gloves on. <laughs> but this, this, oh my gosh, this, that's a fun visual. Yeah. This tough, uh, this tough guy, uh, a union leader. I remember a story about uh, Grandpa Ed going uh, deer hunting for the first time, and he had a deer in his sights, and he couldn't take the shot because it just he couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So that gives you a little bit of mm -hmm. insight. Mm -hmm. There's also a um, a picture of him, another one that he orchestrated, obviously, mm -hmm. and he is in a suit. He's taken the jacket off, but he's got on a white shirt and a tie and dress pants. So, you know, he's dressed up for this or coming somewhere or going someplace. And he's on an old iron bridge and he's standing on the top of it. You know, and this person is down at the shore mm -hmm. taking this taking picture of him up there standing on the top of this bridge. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, that's just kind of amazing. But that stuff lives beyond your... Mm -hmm. life and yeah. you know how much do you know about your great-grandparents mm -hmm. after two generations mm -hmm. that information is pretty much gone unless you have something mm -hmm. physical that gives you some insight about it because we're not great storytellers right not most you know? of us aren't no. No. most of us would have a hard time I'd, Maybe don't even know the names of our great grandparents, mm -hmm. you know, and what they did. And but that's what I enjoyed so much about photography with you guys, teaching the photography that it, it was like a time capsule, mm -hmm. time machine mm -hmm. where you could go sure. back. Mm -hmm. And the stuff that I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, this photo that you that mm -hmm. we took of our class. Mm -hmm. And you brought us to an artist studio. Do you remember where the studio was mm -hmm. that we did that at? I mean, that was so cool that you brought us to a, a real physical place where they're working as a, I don't know, studio photographer. I don't know what mm -hmm. they were. You know, the, and we had the lighting and the filters. Oh, mm -hmm. and I don't remember anymore. But I'll tell you, one thing that I do remember is I remember all the students in that photo. That uh, without that photo mm -hmm. to jog my memory, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how you get around it. I mean, photos are straight up magic as far mm -hmm. as what they how they can transport you and make us mm -hmm. feel mm -hmm. how we felt back at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel looking at that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I look at myself and thinking, oh, what? how was that guy old enough to teach? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I remember that guy. I remember that guy very well, but we both think. Mr. Carl, and something about you is exactly the same. Like yes. There is, yes. There's not much difference. I mean, wear hair, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my body uh, aches and pains tell me there's a lot of difference. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, yes, I bet. Well, you're chopping a lot of wood. It's pretty incredible driving up to your house and seeing that. Yeah. Like, it's impressive. I, I think we, mm -hmm. with the help of Marianne lifting stuff, with, I, I use the chainsaw and we've got a splitter. And mm -hmm. uh, I think we put up about seven cords of firewood this year. So Yeah. And Chris are kind of badass. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, say this has probably been our most productive uh, firewood season. Yeah, I think. You yeah. know. And he's mm -hmm. 74. 
77. Seven, oh, 77, sorry. Oh, I, I guess I lied to her about my age. She thought you were younger. I'm best That's hilarious. Oh my gosh, there's a photo on the other end of the table that I re I remember this story, and I'm wondering, Mr. Carlson, if you'll fill it in. So I, my memory of it was that, that it was you who had taken this time-lapse photography. I, that was how I had remembered it. But I, when I emailed you, I had said, you, is there a UFO? Is there a time-lapse? Am I making this up? But no. Can you tell the story, of uh, the real story? Because I had it. Well, okay. Okay. Um, when I was teaching, uh, it might have been, well, probably after you guys were, you were there in the early 90s in my... You graduated in 94, so... Okay, so I had a lot of 12th graders, so it was maybe 93. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had, a, I think a couple of years after that, a former uh, Manzu art teacher who taught photography, Ellsworth Erickson, I think he actually started the photo department there. Um, just interesting aside about this guy, he was really, uh, he was a very unique guy who had a lot of photo experience during World War II, and he took a very famous shot of Mussolini hanging, and uh, I think that was, if you ever saw a picture of that, oh. historical picture, that was Els, but he started the Monsieur photo department, I believe, and he came back and said, I've got some negatives um, I want to show you. Back in the uh, um, late 80s, I believe it was, there was a student that they, I, I, he said, I gave my students an assignment. They had to use a tripod and take their cameras to some place locally and uh, um, capture light using fast shutter speeds and small apertures to give great depth of field and clarity to the images and this one kid did that and he didn't notice anything in, in the frame but when he came back and he developed the negatives another student said what's that in your negatives and the kid, <laughs> kid looked at his negatives and said i don't know i didn't notice anything when i shot these pictures over a lake in shoreview and uh <laughs> so they, they looked at him and he printed them and they found this, this disc-looking thing in the sky that looks, I don't know if, the, if that's a, a UFO. I mean, mm -hmm. nobody knows what, where that was. Frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> it almost looks like a glowing frisbee, but yeah. there's a kind of a dark aura under it. And yeah. they, they, it made the local newspapers and uh, they sent it off the negatives off to the University of Minnesota in one of the science departments and they looked at the negatives and they said they don't know what that is but whatever it is it's actually on the negatives it wasn't added there's no trickery involved in that and it got such and then I think that's when it made the newspapers uh, local newspapers and it got uh, notoriety uh, in, in such a way that another student stole the negatives from this kid <laughs> at Moundsville High School, and then they had to bring the police in to, uh, to accost this kid who they think stole and actually did steal the negatives. And he got the, the, the police got the negatives back, and you can see one of them mm -hmm. in, the, in the print got torn in the process of, I don't know how. But, uh, so we have a situation here where Al didn't know what they were, the L. Erickson, 
and he asked if he could uh, blow the negatives up in my in the photo department and and see if he could burn some detail into that that white disc looking UFO mm -hmm. shape and he was unable to do that there was no detail there in, in the students so we, he it was a little disappointing that we didn't see portals or aliens waving. Yeah, bummer. Because <laughs> that, that might have made the national news. <laughs> this makes me want to do some, like, go back through the microfiche in the old days and find out who that student was, though. Yes. Oh, is this the student, Tom Hislop? Tom Hislop, yeah. Oh, that's my next stop. I'm going to have to get yeah. Tom Hislop. You want to photograph that? Or, uh, oh, yeah. You will yeah, photograph that. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. That's, that's amazing. Taken over a lake in Shoreview yeah, in so the 1970s. Well, not, and I don't know if I believe in, in, in UFOs. Maybe mm -hmm. I have no idea what these are, but it certainly is, uh, mm -hmm. makes you wonder. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And the universe is so immense that uh, the probability of there not being other life out there is probably... Yeah. So in this photo, mm -hmm. that building, mm -hmm. th this is here, mm -hmm. and this is the same building. It's moved mm -hmm. over there. It's moved over there. So it moved in the sky. It moved. These are two separate photos. Right. And I think he even had a third photo that I, 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 mm -hmm. I asked. I asked him if I could have these. These were a couple that he printed in my darkroom, and uh, yeah. Lots of magic happened in that dark room. That's yes. the end of that magic thing again. It's, uh, yeah. it's definitely uh, mm -hmm. a, a curiosity. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, well, a story that stuck with me all those years. Parts of it. Mm -hmm. Parts of it did. That's really wild. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It would be interesting to talk to other students from that time frame mm -hmm. and see if their memories of this story is, because mm -hmm. I bet the memories are all over the place. You know, I bet. Mm -hmm. There might even be a story of me piloting that UFO. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We, I was talking about those. We're thinking about plan. I mean, Amy and I are not planning our reunion, but we want to be a I think it would be fun to be a part of it, but I'm like, wouldn't it be really cool if some of our teachers were nice out? People would be so excited oh. to see you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know how excited we were to come mm -hmm. up here today, so. Yeah. Well, my, uh, our oldest son, Brett, uh, he married a, a, a gal from Malzu, mm -hmm. Amy, and uh, she uh, uh, complained to me that she had a wry smile on her face, and she said, you know, I got straight A's and everything, except you gave me an A minus. <gasps> <laughs> I can't believe that. So I said, oh, and I kind of joked about it, but then she, I don't know, she looked kind of stern, you know. <laughs> and she was giving me a little bit of a hard time. Well, the next Christmas, uh, she, uh, I wrapped up a grade change slip. I made it up. It wasn't an official one, but it sort of looks like looked like mom's your high school grade slip. And I changed the grade from an A minus to an A. Good job. <laughs> so she had a good laugh about that. But I think she might have checked on that to see if it was real. <laughs> oh, that is so anyway. funny. Well, we are both so grateful for your time today and letting us come up to your magical world up here. This has been such a treat. Mm -hmm. Well, it was, a, it was really a treat for us, too. Mm -hmm. It's been a gift. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, two are, you two are delightful as students, and you're just as delightful now. Maybe even more so. <laughs> <laughs> now that they're real people. Now, now that they're, 
Just like real people. Just like real people. <laughs> well, you your students. I mean, yeah, you get such a small glimpse of your teachers, but also your students you have, you know, a very short amount of time with. I mean, it's fascinating to talk to adults now that were, mm -hmm. that I knew back, way back then. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's, uh, it's very heartwarming to find out that maybe I did make a, some, mm -hmm. that, I, you know, I made an impact. You did, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and mm -hmm. that's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I don't know if, if our current thing about being uh, sculptors, I don't know if that gives you this, I mean, we get good feedback from what we do, but there's nothing like a former student coming back and saying how they, how we might have impacted their life. I mean, that's just, that's a, that ends up into a very special realm, mm -hmm. and uh, that, that can't be replicated with anything else that I, I know. But, mm -hmm. but, yeah. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh, holy cow. Wow, wow, wow. Go open your Facebook account and look up at old teacher. Oh my word, that was the biggest gift. My heart didn't even know it needed. Thank you so much, Mr. C. What a true delight to get a glimpse into your world with Mary Ann. You are thriving. And I just love imagining him waking up with that cup of coffee in the morning and then being so excited to go out to his studio and make something. That spark, that like paying attention <laughs> to the world and noticing the beauty where the ordinary becomes extraordinary is the secret to all of life. It's play, it's creativity, it's inspiration. It's like thinking about what makes you happy in the world and what makes you sad in the world and making something out of it. That is the fountain of youth. They're probably chopping wood right now. Take a break, Gary and Mary Ann, and make a pot of tea and listen to this podcast and you should be so proud of yourselves because you have done this life in a big, beautiful way. I hope you enjoyed your time today, friends. I know I did. And until next time, tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild and precious life.